I uh, thank you in coming to church um, this morning to worship you and to fellowship with one another. I just pray that now as we come to your word, that your spirit will help us to understand this part of the Bible better. Amen. Now, do you know that one of the leading causes of aviation disaster is complacency? There you go, another plane. Let's keep with my uh, tradition, my theme. Now, one of the leading, really, seriously, one of the leading disaster, leading cause is complacency. It's when the pilot just think it's just another day in the office, it's just another flight, and they let their guard down. Now, this happened um, to an uh, accident on the 12th of February 2009. It's a Kogan Air Flight 3407. It was operated by a Bombardier Dash 8 Q400. It crashed on approach while flying from New York to Buffalo Airport. It was a cold winter evening. The pilots were showing signs of fatigue. One of the pilots was complaining about a head cold, and the other had a long commute. She commuted from the west coast of America to the east coast to start her day, which is not unusual in the USA for regional pilots. So both of them had a long day, and both of them was heard yearning constantly in the um, copy voice recorder. During the approach was a crucial part of the flight. They were chit-chatting instead of focusing on the instrument and the flight. The pilot had lowered their guard. They were treating that flight with just like any other. They were complacent to the events leading up to the accident. It was a cold winter night, and the, it was ice was forming on the wings. Now, the plane could fly because the wings generate lift, and the wings can only generate lift if the wings is free of debris. And there was ice forming on the wings, and so the lift was reduced on the wings. And the speed slowed, and the speed was so dangerously slow by this time that it activated a stake shaker warning. What it is, is, is the control column of the plane started shaking violently. It was the last line of defense to warn the pilots of an impending storm. It was an absolute terrifying moment in the flight deck, and the pilots only had seconds to act. What they, could, what they must do by this time is to push the column down, to push the nose of the plane down, so we gain speed to avoid a stall and crash. The pilots were confused. They were disorientated, and they did exact opposite. They pushed the nose up, and so the plane lose more speed, and it crashed. All 49 people on board died, and one person was killed on the ground. The investigation found that complacency was the leading cause of the accident. Last week, Stuart spoke to us from Genesis 3, from the beginning of the Bible, about creation and then the fall. It was after Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, they had two sons. They are Cain and Abel. The effect of sin brings hatred. Cain murdered Abel out of jealousy and also his inability to control his anger. And sin separated us and God. Adam and Eve had a third son, Seth. Seth carried the family line in Genesis 5, and over 10 generations later, we have Noah and thank God verse. So go up to our next event on Bible timeline. Have a look at verse 1 with me of Genesis 6. It says that when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful 
and they marry any of them they chose. They marry any of them they chose. Now, the people at this time they were dependent not on God but themselves. Instead of relying on God, they chose to do whatever they wanted to do, and so they married any of them they chose. It didn't stop there. Further down, it tells us that God now limits humans' life to 120 years. These were consequences to sin. The Nephilim was a group of warriors, a group of giants. They were people that are very tall. Um, they fought a lot. The world was filled with violence. Have a look at verse 5 with me about God's assessment to the world. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. There was nothing good about a human being at this time. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil, not some of the time, but all the time. You see, God grips our sin very, very deeply. It's like a profound sadness, anger, and disappointment. It's like when your kids have done something that is incredibly disappointing to you, and this is how God feels towards us. God is regretting making humankind. Now, that doesn't mean God would change his mind. Elsewhere, the Bible tells us that God doesn't change his mind. But God is here is expressing his sorrow and sadness in creating humankind. We were supposed to create in his image, and now we're doing the opposite of what he wanted us to do. Sin comes with consequences. God is a God that is holy, and so he can't stand sin, and he judges our sin. Verse 7, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. The judgment is the complete destruction of creation. But God showed grace and God showed mercy to one person, to Noah, because he had found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Noah is by no means perfect. But what set Noah apart from other people of his time was his wholehearted, faithful commitment to God. Verse 13, God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Who likes good Ikea here? Anybody like, likes Ikea? Yep, yep, I love Ikea. I think it's a very neat, neat, very neat place. Uh, it's a good maze to walk through the different sections uh, and see how they set up the furniture. Uh, but what really amazes me is that they pack, can pack almost everything, all the furniture, into a flat pack. Every time I open a box, I'm just amazed how they can pack all the timbers, everything, into a flat pack and utilizing every space they have in the box. Now, but the real fun begins is when you get home, when you open up the box, when you read the instruction menu and start assembling the furniture. I think that's when the real fun begins, isn't it, Alan Keys? Now, Noah here had his IKEA moment too. Now, Noah, you go here, his IKEA moment. God told him to build an ark, an ark that is big enough for him, for his sons, for his wife, and their sons' wives, and all the living creatures. Here you can see 
that God established in his covenant in verse 18. Now, the word covenant, this time is the first time that this word appears in the Bible, and it won't be the last time. A covenant is like an agreement. It's like a contract between God and his people, and in this case, Noah. Now, a covenant, since it's a contract, it goes both ways. Between God will make a promise. So in our case, God will make a promise to keep Noah and his family safe. And Noah, on the other hand, in order to receive that promise, he had to build an ark just as God commanded him to. So Noah now had a choice. He could either to obey God or he could ignore him. Now, the ark is huge. It's not a tiny little boat they can build in a day. It's a big, massive ark, and it certainly wasn't built overnight. Now, Noah did get up all the timber, and then building the outside, the structure of the ark, and the inside. Now, the ark is about 135 meters long, 23 meters wide, and 14 meters high. And in today's turn, it will be about 22,000 ton of displacement. What it means is, this ark will have taken months or years to build. It's not something you could build overnight or in one afternoon. And the ark will have to function like a cruise ship. But maybe without the fun and entertainment we see in cruise ship today, maybe not a buffet. But he had to accommodate Noah, his families, and all the animals, not for a week or a month. Altogether, Noah and his family and animals were in the ark for 370 days. That's a, that's a year and 10 days. Imagine if you were Noah. Imagine if you're building this structure, this ark. Imagine the people around you. How would they react to Noah? How would they, what would they think when Noah is building this ridiculous structure? They would have laughed at him and ridiculed him. You see, Noah, he wasn't complacent. He followed God's command to save his family from the impending flood. Every day was a day closer to God's judgment. 1 Peter in the New Testament tells us this, chapter 3, verse 20, that God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through waters. God waited patiently. He waited patiently for Noah. Those who trusted God by faith, they boarded the ark, and they were saved. But to those who ignore God, the flood destroyed them. There was judgment. Now, Noah's Ark is a very popular Sunday school story. It appears in many, many children's storybooks because the story is fun to read. It's like a fairy tale with many animals involved, and it comes with a happy ending. But I think much more importantly, it tells us about God's character. Understanding God's character is essential to understand this story, but also the rest of the Bible. One of the things is, God is always in control. God said to Noah, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe away from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And in this covenant, Noah did his part. Verse 5 tells us that Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. God sent the flood because of judgment of sin, but he showed his grace and mercy. God preserved life 
and a remnant in verse 16. We need to understand that the destruction outside the ark, it was complete and total. Everything else outside the ark died. There was uncreation. We talked about creation a few weeks ago in Genesis 1. Now we see uncreation being undone. Genesis 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 12. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostril died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. Everything was wiped out, except for Noah and those in the ark. The ark saved them. But the destruction, it didn't get out of hand. God knew when to stop. God sent the flood, and he stopped the flood. The turning point of this story is in chapter 8, verse 1. This Bible verse here. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. He sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. God remembered Noah. Now, it's, this word doesn't mean that God is forgetful like us. So the word remember doesn't mean that God is forgetful like us. Like we sometimes we forget things. But it tells us that God is a trustworthy covenant partner. And now it's time for God to deliver his promise to Noah. You see, God sent the flood and God sent the wind to stop the water. God is always in control. Our sovereign God is always in control. Now, in the Bible, back in the ancient Near East, there was the Babylonian account. Um, they also have an account of creation and an account of the flood, similar to Genesis. But it's a very different, um, different story to, compared to the Bible. Now, in the Babylonian account, there's a one true God. There were many, many different gods. And their account of the flood is the different gods had an argument. They were annoyed at the overpopulation. They were annoyed by the noise that people made. And so they decided to send a flood to get rid of some people on earth, to make it less people. Um, but when they sent the flood to the world, they were surprised and shocked by how much the damage the flood has done. It was out of their control. They couldn't do anything about it, and it destroyed more people than they wanted to. And there was no mercy in it. And they also have a similar figure to Noah, um, the name is, um, I don't know how his name. Well, that person on top. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, he is a, a, a figure that is similar to our Noah. And he was only saved because he happened to worship one of the gods that disagree with the flood. But you can see it's very different to what we have in the Bible here that their gods, their multiple gods, were not in control of the flood. And they started the flood because they were annoyed and they argued between one another. And then their figure of Noah only saved by luck. Rather than in our God, in our Bible, God was always in control. He showed grace and mercy. And Noah was saved by faith, not by luck. Now, the flood is a very significant part of the Bible story, which is why we're here today to um, talk about this. But again, let's go beyond the Sunday school stuff. Now, remember the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, the world began with a watery chaos. 
and God turned chaos into order by His spoken word. And after that, God created life on earth. He created everything on earth, all the birds, all the animals, all the fish, and then He created humans. And He commanded humans to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And that's what we're up to in Genesis 2. Fast forward to Genesis 6 here today, the world has now been uncreated. It's now back to watery chaos when God sent the flood. Chapter 8, God got rid of the water. He put order back into our world. And he saved a remnant. He saved Noah, his families, and all the birds, a pair of each animal got on the ark. And so God has saved some life. And then God told Noah to be fruitful and multiply again to fill the earth again. So verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For the image of God has God made mankind, and they told them to be fruitful and to multiply. So we have creation, we have uncreation, and now we have recreation again. It's like a clean slate again. Now, after the flood, after the water has gone down, after the 370 days in the, in the ark, Noah left the ark. And being a man, their faith in God, they found favor in God, his first act then, unsurprisingly, is for God. Chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an ark of the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Now, the burnt offering is a way for Noah to say thank you to God for salvation, for saving his life, for preserving life here on earth. And his sacrifice was accepted, and then God made another promise to him. Continue on chapter 8, verses 21-22. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures, as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. How do we know that God accepted Noah's sacrifice? He smelled the pleasing aroma. He was here in the uh, Men and Lamb night, men, men and Midnight last week. I was in the barbecue last night, and the smell of the lamb was incredible. That was like a pleasing aroma. <laughs> if you know that smell... That's how God feel, how God was very pleased with Noah's sacrifice. That he smelled the pleasing aroma. Now, and then God made three promises here. He said, Never again will I curse the ground, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, and day and night will never cease. But one thing remains the same. Every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Sin remains in our world, but God shows us grace and mercy. He promises that He will never curse the ground. He will never destroy all living creature as He has done, and there will be order in our world that day and night will never cease. Only a God who is in control, full control of the universe, could make a promise like this. God is just and He is holy. But after judgment comes grace and restoration. In his covenant with Noah, there are recreation, protection, and sustenance. 
Let's start with the first one, recreation. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Protection. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For the image of God has God made mankind. And sustenance. Verse 3, chapter 9. Everything that lives and moves about will be free for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Genesis 2, God commands um, humankind to eat anything on the tree. Um, they can have vegetable and fruit for food. But now, God extended that to meat as well. But blood means life. And human blood is especially valuable because we are uniquely made in God's image. After the flood, we have creation, uncreation, and now recreation. So after the flood, it's like a clean slate. There's a renewal of creation and a fresh start. God, say, God sealed his covenant with Noah. Let's have a look with me of the scale of this covenant. Of chapter 9, verses 9 to 11. I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that come out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. God's concern is for all creation and all generation. God's promise is for everything, for all creation and the generations to come, including us here today. And then God signed his covenant with the rainbow. Now, the rainbow is a very important sign of the Bible. In our society today, it's often used for something else. But make no mistake, the rainbow is an important sign of Christianity. It's a sign that God used to seal his promise with Noah. Verse 13 tells us this, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. The rainbow means new life. It means a fresh start. God is still deeply involved with his creation, and God is still deeply cares about his creation. God takes sin very seriously, and Noah was saved by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, By faith, Noah, who warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. People around, people around Noah's time, they were complacent, and they were judged. Are we complacent about our sin today? Are the people around us complacent about their sin? And is our world really any different to Noah's? Is our world still filled with humans whose every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time? Has anything changed? Here's a warning for us. When we fast forward to the New Testament, uh, so now we're in Genesis, but now we're fast forward to 2 Peter in the New Testament. 
So 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4 tells us this. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. As a warning for us today, don't be complacent about our sin. Noah and his family, they were saved because of his faith, because he acted up on God's command. He wasn't complacent. He trusted God and did everything he commanded. God provided Noah an ark to save his family and friends and his families and all the animals. And God has given us an ark today too. One that doesn't require assembly because all done in the form of Jesus on the cross. Instead of the rainbow, we now have the cross as a new covenant. Here we have Noah, fast with the New Testament, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, despite an ark for us. And God has promised that he will come back to judge us again. He will come back to the world, he will judge us again. Jesus will return to judge the world. 2 Peter chapter 3, further down. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There's no time for complacency. God is holding off his judgment day, and God is holding off our new heaven and new earth so that more and more people can find new life in Jesus. Judgment day will come, but God is holding off. He's waiting for us to turn to him, but we don't know when it will happen. If you haven't repented of your sin and come on board the ark, that is Jesus, today is a good time as any to be saved. Will you come on board to the new ark that is Jesus? Our church's mission and vision is about giving the message of new life, so don't be complacent. Our world is to hear about Jesus, and we, if you're already on the ark, we need to live the message of new life to be a faithful and adventurous, a compassionate and enduring Christian. Now is the time to live the message of new life. Who can you share the message of new life to? Are there people... Are there your friends, your family, and your neighbors that don't know Jesus already? Do you love them? Are they complacent about their sin? They need to know, everyone on the earth needs to know, need to hear the message of new life, because the time to act is now. Before I finish, anybody know the vision of our church? We long to, we know this, I know you guys, I don't know if you know this. Um, so I'll start. We long to see new life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing Southwest for their salvation, for the good of the community and the glory of God. New life is what we are. And this is the way to new life, that God has given us the ark that is Jesus. If we go trust him, what the ark will be saved. We can't be complacent in our sin. The time to act is now. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that you are just, you are holy, and you are always in control of our world. We thank you for the grace that you have shown to Noah 
and to us today through Jesus. Please help us to not be complacent about our sin, and we pray that more and more people will join your ark and will find a message of new life. In your son's name we pray. Amen.